The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. I feel like I want to do the count song at the beginning of every episode right now. 11! 11 days left! Ah, ah, ah! Big Wednesday in the books. Not that big, I guess. Just a nine-game card. Thursday on the horizon. The weekend before us. Head-to-head leagues probably ending on Sunday. Roto leagues coming down to the wire. Feeling good about my Roto leagues right now. Feeling good. Opening up some space. A little breathing room between Dano and the field. Yeah, eat it, field. Trash talk on my podcast. That's the podcasters right i think no i don't know anyway welcome everybody this is dan Bespris on fantasy nba today yesterday i forgot to introduce the show i just i got sidetracked by something as i am wont to do so today i want to make sure i actually say hi to you guys hello good thursday to you all may the 6th may the 6th 11 days left you can follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, or just Google search Dan from HoopBall. This show is Fantasy NBA Today. You probably know that because you clicked on it. Magical world where you accidentally listen to a show and you don't even know what it's called. What are you doing here? And this is a HoopBall presentation. That's hoop-ball.com, the website. A couple weeks ago, I was pushing the fantasy pass on you. Right now, it's probably a little bit late. You can go check it out if you want. Maybe we walk you through the last 11 days. It's still just $4.99. That's the premium tab over at Hoop Ball. Or get on on the wager pass. Bets flying left and right. Weird time of year right now. Let somebody walk you through it. Red Hot Aaron Brewski. It's the one, it's the one guy playing silly season right. And we've got him. So that's cool. I haven't. I've been... Making a mess down my leg the last few days in the NBA. Cannot figure out who's going to wake up on a night-to-night basis. That's a little bit of a crapshoot. All right, so what happened on Wednesday? Let's go ahead and dive on into this stuff. Boston beat the hell out of Orlando. Here's the amazing thing. Our buddies over at Basketball Monster, they they have a box score page that I tend to use because it's got everything all in one spot. It's all just text, so the page loads pretty quickly. There's a little bit of a lag time. I think that might be the website, but the page itself has a lot of data on one page. There's not videos flying around. They also have a little tag when a game becomes a blowout. Seven of the nine games on Wednesday night earned the illustrious blowout tag, although I would argue that Sacramento-Indiana wasn't really a blowout. That game actually had... It wasn't like it was 11 points at the end, and yes, the, the Kings were in up by 20-ish at certain points, but the teams did play their starters. Demonis Sabonis logged 37 minutes. Buddy Heald played 40. So calling that one a blowout might be a little bit of a stretch, but the other six pretty clearly were epic beatdowns, which means as much as we want to parse the data on those games, we're going to move through a few of those a little bit quicker. Not all of them. Orlando's got some angles. Houston has some huge angles in their blowout loss because they're down to like four healthy players at this point. But then, like San Antonio, Utah, nothing. That's a nothing game. Knicks, Nuggets had something, actually, the Denver side, believe it or not, though we're on the winning side of the ledger. Anyway, let's just start working our way through. Boston beat the nuts off Orlando on uh, Wednesday night. Jason Tatum was solid. Kemba Walker was great. And Evan Fournier 
was serviceable, which is nice because there was no Jalen Brown, so they needed someone to fill in and get a few buckets. And Fournier, as he's talked about, having some issues getting back to full strength from COVID, it does seem like he's kind of inching his way there. I don't really trust him when they're at full strength. I should make sure I add that disclaimer. When someone's down, he's the logical guy to step into that spot. He's basically the new Marcus Smart, not in the way he plays, but in the role he fills. You remember last couple of years, Marcus Smart was the sixth man for the Celtics. He came off the bench, and then all year long, there was one guy rotating one guy that was out for Boston, and so Smart would slide into the starting lineup. He would have some big games. He'd slide back to the bench for one or two days when everybody was healthy, and he was okay on the bench, top 90-ish. Then he slid into the starter's role, and he was top 50. That is... Maybe a little bit of a lofty goal for Fournier, but I think he does fill that same role. Norman Powell role with Toronto for large parts of this year where you're a sixth man and you're not very good as a sixth man. But anytime one person goes down and someone's always freaking hurt in the NBA, well, you got your path to value. Over on the Orlando side, Mo Bamba. Tell you what, the, uh, the leash is off here. He is running. He is a rabid dog right now. Mo Bamba, 19 and 15, three steals, four blocks, and a three-pointer. Whopper. I mean, he had basically, he'd become the better center, fantasy-wise at least, on that Orlando team, even when Wendell Carter Jr. was playing. But uh, Carter Jr. was out in this ballgame, so Bamba got the start in 31 minutes. In 31 minutes, he's a monster, absolute epic beast of a fantasy player. And it's hard to know exactly what Orlando's going to do going forward. But you've got to think that Bamba and Wendell Carter Jr. each have a chance to be a part of it. No Chuma Okiki, possibly for the rest of the regular season. So Mo Wagner had another nice game. Only 26 minutes in this one. But he's the rare big man that hits his free throws and three-pointers and doesn't have a terrible field goal percent while spreading the floor. Didn't rebound very well and doesn't really rebound all that well, but deserves to be started everywhere as long as Okiki's out. I don't think there's any question about it. We've always known that he's a guy that if he gets starters minutes, he he needs to be in lineups. So fire him up because really it doesn't look like anybody's coming for those minutes, and it sounds like Okiki might be out for the rest of the regular season. So get Wagner fired up. Bamba, Wagner, those guys are a go. The backcourt's a little bit confusing. Cole Anthony always profiled a little bit more of a points league guy, but lately he just hasn't been playing very well. He hit that game winner, and then the wheels came off. And R.J. Hampton has jumped headlong into his job. Hampton's big numbers are tied a little bit to Gary Harris's minutes cap. Iggy Brzdakis played 30 minutes in this ballgame as well. But I, everybody's question right now is on R.J. Hampton. And I'll be honest with you guys. We're at a point in the season where it sort of doesn't matter. I, that's this dumb thing to say while you guys are listening to a podcast that I'm doing on fantasy basketball. It doesn't matter if you miss out on R.J. Hampton. You can pick him up if you want. They've got Charlotte on Friday. they got Minnesota on Sunday. Those are pretty good games to pile up some fantasy stats, and there's a very real chance that he can do it again because his minutes have been trending up. Last three games, he's been over 30 minutes a night. When he's gotten 27 or more, he's scored over 10 points, but the assists are up. The rebounds are way up, which I don't know that that we can really count on to stick long-term. He's, he's a taller guard at 6'5", but there's no indicator that he's like some superhuman rebounder at the guard position. He's averaging about 4 in 24 minutes a game, and that's pretty good. 
But we don't really have the body of work to go on with him anyway. So sure, why the hell not? Add him. He's not a good foul shooter. He's not a good field goal percent guy. You're going to have to be okay with that because as his usage ramps up here, you're going to need some really big point assist rebounding games to overcome the fact that he's probably going to shoot 43 or less percent from the field and he's probably going to shoot 70% or less from the free throw line. Fine, call it 75% or less. So, yeah, you could go get him just the way you could have gone and, and started Cole Anthony. And I've been a medium. I've been medium on Anthony. Like him a little bit. I just, I don't, uh, I don't think you're missing out all that much if you don't do anything with these guards on Orlando. The big men are where it's at. That's the easy stuff. Play, make it easy on yourself. Portland beat the hell out of Cleveland. Blazers have been playing pretty well of late. They kind of ran out of the gas in their previous ball game. So they had their kind of end of the road trip game on their penultimate road trip game, and then they came roaring back in this one. Dame. Dame's been getting his health back. That's a pretty big deal for the Blazers, who do not want... They do not want to be in that play-in tournament, so they're going to be going full bore here. They've won five of their last six. The only loss on the whole road trip was in Atlanta. They come back home to take on the Lakers. You don't think that's a huge ball game coming up? Big one. That'll be... Pretty sure that one's an ESPN game on Friday. And then they've got a back-to-back with the Spurs and, the, and then the Rockets a couple days later. So the Blazers, you know, they, they've got that Lakers game circled. And if they can get that win, they put themselves in a pretty good spot to get out of the play-in tournament. Not a guarantee, because they do have a Utah game mixed in there. It's not full-on walk in the park. They've got the Suns, they've got the Nuggets to finish off the regular season, but half the, I mean, Denver could be resting that one, you just don't know. A big game coming up for the Blazers on Friday. Fantasy-wise, why am I talking about their their record? Fantasy-wise, this is sort of a nothing. Who cares, you know? Uh, Dame played 31 minutes, so did McCollum. I don't even really know why they got to that number. Nurk had a huge one in 21 minutes. Cantor got to play more because of the blowout. Melo's been a decent scoring streamer. There was a question of who might fill in for Norman Powell in this game. Derek Jones Jr. got the start, but he didn't do anything. Anthony Simons played more and shot more, but also wasn't enough. Meanwhile, Chetty Osman seems to have bought himself a Nemanja Bielitsa-style voodoo doll. And for those that are wondering what the crap Dan is talking about right now, last two years in Sacramento, we had a joke on this podcast that Nemanja Bielitsa had a voodoo doll of the other front court players on the Kings, and any time one guy got healthy, he'd just stick a little pin in one of the other voodoo dolls, and down goes a different guy. And so the whole way through the year, Bielitsa was playing starters minutes, even though he was supposed to be like the fourth big man. And that's what's happening to Jetty Osman right now, because every time one guard gets healthy, the other one goes down. At some point, Darius Garland and, and Colin Sexton might play a game at the same time again. It might not be this season. So for that reason, I think you can keep streaming Osman. I know he wasn't that great in this one. How many guys in the Cavs were when you lose by 36? The answer is not many. Kevin Love was actually okay. Still worth using in Roto. Dean Wade had a good shooting game again, but the usage isn't high enough, so I'm not buying in on that. Jared Allen is a go. Sexton is obviously a go. And then Osman. And by the way, welcome back. Anderson Barajow, who not only signed a 10-day contract, but played. I did not expect to see him in an NBA game ever again, let alone this fast. A point six rebounds for the man with wild hair. The Kings won, dot, dot, dot. Get this. 
a defensive battle. Okay, look, the competition must be considered. They've defeated the Thunder and the Pacers in their last two ball games, but they did win a couple of tougher games against the Lakers and the Mavs, so you got to give a little bit of credit there. And how about our guy DeLon Wright? 23-7-6, and six, six steals a block and three three-pointers. Unleash. Unleash DeLon. He's unleashed. It's unclear exactly who might be coming back for the Kings because they're down three high-usage starters, basically. I'm going to call Halliburton a starter, but it's Tyrese Halliburton, De'Aaron Fox, Harrison Barnes. It sounds like Barnes is not that far away from coming back. Like, he, he's probably a King that plays again this season. They've got a game tomorrow, Friday, at home against the San Antonio Spurs. That team's in total free fall right now, so Kings could win another one. And then they got the Thunder, two in a row. Kings could actually win two more games. The Kings might rattle off a seven-game win streak right here. They might also pee down their legs. It's tough to know. Still, we'll wait and find out who's back for Sacramento before making any calls on the head-to-head side. On the Roto side, you just you roll the crap out of DeLon Wright right now because he's one of the best players in the NBA when he gets this type of run. Buddy Heald, yeah, that's fine. Holmes, cool. Harkless, meh, too low usage. Sorry, Mo. much as I've wanted you to be a thing for a long time. And then Marvin Bagley had 31-12, and 12, but if Barnes comes back... That pretty much squeezes back. Well, I guess they could go Barnes at the three and move Harkless to the bench. You kind of want to wait and see what the starting lineup is at that point. Bagley's very much a points league type of option. It's very rare that a guy has a 31-12 and night, and it's not actually a good fantasy evening. But he was good at scoring, rebounding, and field goal percent. He didn't have an assist. He didn't have a three. He didn't have a steal. He didn't have a block. He went five for eight at the free throw line. He did only have one turnover, which was fine. So he was good in three, average in one, and bad in five. That matters, people. I'm not in on Bagley um, unless we find out that Barnes is going to be out a couple more ballgames. And then I think there's probably enough usage to justify it because at some point he'll just sort of bungle headlong into a steal or a block or an assist. Or a three-pointer because he does shoot those a little bit. By one a game, he makes. So pick him up, but... I wouldn't start him if, if Barnes comes back. I wouldn't. It, it, terrifying to me. And then if Fox comes back, you start him. I, they might move DeLon right back to the bench in that instance, but I'd probably still roll him out there. He's shown them that he's better than most of their players. Halliburton, I think, is done for the regular season. Goga Batadze came back for the Pacers, played 20 minutes. That's not bad. 5.6 boards, couple of blocks. I think he's worth a stream for uh, rebounds, field goal percent, and blocks. That's pretty good. Useful trio of categories this juncture of the season. And, by the way, Batadze, not a bad foul shooter. Not a world beater, but you don't expect your big men to be the world's best free throw shooters. I think he's at 76% for this year. So you'll take that. There aren't a ton of big men that can block shots at his rate. He's a giant dude. He's 7 feet 250. He blocks shots at a very good clip. Very good clip. He's at 1.3 blocks per game and only 11 and a half minutes a night this year. And that's actually not that far off from his normal per 36s. So throw that dude out there for 20 minutes. He's probably going to average about two blocks a game. That's useful. And Miles Turner is gone. And he's going to play over guys like Jakar Sampson whenever the hell he comes back. And he's probably going to end up getting minutes over O'Shea Brissett. 
But they have to start Brissett because you can't play Sabonis and Batadze at the same time. Well, at least not often. I guess they go a little bit. They didn't want to do it in the starting lineup. Not against a team that had guys running all over the floor at the power forward spot. So we'll see what they do. Uh, Doug McDermott, 11-5 and in 28 minutes. Only four shots. That's a little bit surprising. I think he's a guy that actually does play better when there are better point guards around him. But just to sum things up in Indiana, Sabonis we don't need to talk about. He's good. Uh, Batadze I would start, actually. I think he'll I think he'll be above the cut line because of the categories he's good in and how quickly you can amass fantasy stats in those categories. By the way, Batadze, 5.6 boards, 2 assists, 2 blocks, a 3-pointer on 2-for-4 four four shooting. Technically, a better fantasy night than Bagley's 31-12. and 12. Crazy, right? But true. McConnell's a go. I'm going to give Brissett a little leeway here. I think he'll be better in their next ballgame, but if he's continuing to trend down like this, you could look towards moving on from him. Milwaukee, Washington, devoid of defense. 269 combined points, and yet somehow on the Wizards' side, there were really only two guys with fantasy value. Russ, 29-12-17, Beal, 42 and then everybody else. Gafford is still probably worth using. He's been able to get fantasy stats real fast. And that's cool because his minutes aren't guaranteed. On the Milwaukee side, Chris Middleton sat this one out. So they started P.J. Tucker at small forward. And he went 0 for 1 in 21 minutes and then left because he got punked in the jaw. Pat Connaughton actually ended up picking up most of the pieces there. But screw that. Just go with DiVincenzo who fouled out in 20 minutes. Giannis fouled out in 30 minutes, which is, by the way, the explanation as to how this game got to the point it did. Uh, Bucks committed 31 fouls. Giannis DiVincenzo fouled out. Lopez had five. That's, that's, pretty, that's pretty significant. And how good has Drew Holiday been? Eesh. Anyway, no real interesting fantasy stuff on that side. Memphis beat Minnesota 139-135. D'Angelo Russell moved into the starting lineup for the Wolves. And finally, in the last 11 days, 12 days, I guess this game happened on the 12th to the last day. In the last 12 days of the year, Ricky Rubio has finally had the nail put in the coffin. His fantasy value is dead. Anthony Edwards at 42-6-7. He's really come on, and he's probably your rookie of the year, thanks to his health and slowly improving game throughout the course of the season. Although LaMelo Ball is back now, so we'll see. That That one's coming down to the wire. But you're basically just starting three guys. Cat, D'Lo, Edwards. Cat was in foul trouble, if you're wondering why Nas Reed got 25 minutes. Cat's not in foul trouble. They probably win this game. Meanwhile, on the Memphis side, and I don't mean to sound excited about Grayson Allen being hurt again, but I am actually kind of excited about Grayson Allen being hurt again. Played six minutes and tweaked his abdomen. We'll call it a core issue. And that meant DeAnthony Melton got 25 minutes. And he didn't use them all that well, but he will. You get Grayson Allen out of the picture, and DeAnthony Melton is good to go. G to G, baby. Fire him up, add him, start him, whatever you need to do. You know we love DeAnthony Melton. This is as bad as it gets in 25 minutes for him. So that's a hell of a floor. Memphis, they're just going to play every day, so they're great for head-to-head. We talked about it on yesterday's show. Ja, slow-mo, Bane even, JV. Brandon Clark is back, so you can fire him up in head-to-head if you want because they've got so many damn games. Dylan Brooks, hey, I called Xavier Tillman not worth using, and then he said, screw you, Dan, and he went and played 28 minutes. Oh, even Xavier Tillman, apparently, is okay to use in head-to-head. On the Roto side, uh, Ja, big ball game here. He's come on nice here at the end of the season, but a little 
kind of a too little too late thing. Slow-mo when JJJ is resting is very much a Roto guy. And probably ever so slightly above the cut line even when JJJ plays, who, by the way, is himself worth using in Roto. JV, good to go in Roto. Clark, I'm going to say no. Melton, yes. And then anybody I didn't mention there is a no. Phoenix got blown out in Atlanta. This is one of those games where the Suns were hanging in there, and then they just completely ran out of gas. This is the second half of a back-to-back on a road trip after winning that weird game in Cleveland the night before. And they just they just had nothing. After the, the halftime break, really, Chris Paul had one of his worst games of the year. Booker was okay, but nobody else had anything in the tank. And so you can throw this one out because the minutes were all over the map. Trey only played 26. That's your indicator there. If Trey's only playing 26 minutes, you know the game was, was cooked early. And you can throw out the data. Sweet. You can throw out the data on the, the Philadelphia side in the next game too, but do not throw out the data on the Houston side. This is actually a critical point, so I want to slow the pod for a moment and talk about the Houston Rockets. Okay. First things first. Kelly Olynyk is incredible. He's my favorite thing. That's it. That's all I wanted to say on Kelly Olynyk. Second thing, Kevin Porter Jr. injured in this game. Turned his ankle. He's questionable. But the Rockets have absolutely no incentive to play guys if they're not healthy, other than the fact that they have so few players right now that they might not have a choice but to play someone who's not fully 100% healthy. But this is a guy that they want to invest in their future, so you know they're not going to risk hurting him more. So I'm going to presume that Kevin Porter Jr. is going to miss at least one game and maybe more. That, after he went down, left the Rockets... With six, six remaining healthy players. That's insane. K.J. Martin played 44 minutes in this ballgame. He, by the way, probably should have been the lead story on this podcast because he is an ad in every format. The only fear with Martin was that he wouldn't get enough usage to hit value because he's very much a points, rebounds, shot-blocking type that mixes in a three-pointer every once in a while on decent field goal percent. And we don't know a ton about his free throw, but I think we know enough to say it's not horrible and probably not that great. But he's suddenly now been elevated to the number two spot on this team. There are a lot of guys that were in between him and the number two spot, even as recently as like two and a half weeks ago. He was like the number six option, and now he's number two. Yes, there's a possibility that Christian Wood comes back, and that would knock everybody back down a peg. But I think we're far enough into the, the dregs on this team to say that K.J. Martin is going to play, and he's going to play a lot. Rockets have a back-to-back coming up. Even if Wood plays in one of those two, I cannot believe he'd play in both. Jayshon Tate, who entered health and safety protocols prior to this ballgame, he's not playing for probably the rest of the regular season. So you got a Martin stream coming up here that schedule, I don't even care about schedule at this point. Like, this is a guy I would almost think about adding today just to guarantee you don't miss on adding him for his back-to-back tomorrow. I'll take the goose egg for one day because he's going to go so huge for these two games. And this is like, there's just no way that he doesn't because there's no one else to play. Even if they're getting blown out, they have no choice but to leave him on the floor. 
blowouts might be great because then the other team throws in their clunker reserves and these guys can just pick on each other. Elsewhere on the Rockets, and this I think is where you get into the weeds a little bit, uh, Daquan Jeffries played 41 minutes and did almost nothing with them. And that makes me very nervous. So I'm going to pass there. Avery Bradley started, played 25 minutes, did nothing. I'm going to pass there. A couple of reserves that actually did do a bunch of stuff. Armani Brooks had 20 points on six three-pointers in 31 minutes. Anthony Lamb, I admit, I, I the Lamb that I was not fully aware of until pretty recently. 22 points, four uh, threes, five boards in 36 minutes. And... Honestly, you could probably get away with playing either of those guys in Roto. I'm probably going to pass, mostly because, at least we know with Brooks, a lot of his value is tied up in the three-pointer. If that's not going down, it could be a really weird and awkward night. Anthony Lamb, we really just don't know what his fantasy stat set looks like. So despite the fact that everybody's out for this team, I think K.J. Martin is about as far as I'm going, at least for now. And maybe we see more in this the front end of their upcoming back-to-back to say, okay, Grab one of these other guys. They have enough of a stat set or enough usage or whatever it is you're going to put on it. And they're going to have no choice, I guess. Uh, if Porter's out, you probably see Armani Brooks back in the starting lineup. So call him a maybe, and then I'll wait on Anthony Lamb. Thank you very much. Knicks got blown out by the Nuggets. We didn't learn much on the New York side other than Nerlens Noel played through his ankle thing, and had eight defensive stats again. If you don't love Nerlens, you can just stop listening to the podcast right now. On the Denver side, we were curious what would happen with P.J. Dozier now out for a little bit. Paul Millsap got the start, played 24 minutes, had 6-6-2. Six, six, and two. I like the fact he took 13 shots. I don't like the fact that they didn't go in. But if you level him off and just, you know, mean revert his numbers for the night, 13 shots actually would be fantasy value level. You know, the fact that he only made, what, three? Is that three out of them? Yeah, three out of 13 shots. You know, most most days he's probably making six. Some days he's making seven, probably hovers somewhere in between those things. So double his points, call one of them a three-pointer. Now you've got 13 six and two with a steal and a three ball. Then you got an okay usage. And maybe he goes big. Maybe he gets excited for a game or two, gets a couple extra minutes. I don't know. Maybe there's a game where Austin Rivers is not lava hot from downtown. He doesn't play 28 minutes, and Millsap gets a few extra. I really don't know yet. What I'm saying here is I don't trust Austin Rivers. I don't trust Paul Millsap yet, but I'd be more inclined to trust Millsap than Rivers. Campazzo, you can keep streaming there. He had a great ball game. Jokic was excellent. Michael Porter Jr. has been very good, although he didn't have to do as much in this ball game. Uh, and Aaron Gordon's been a drop for a long time. And then San Antonio, Utah. As promised, this was a garbage game, so you can put it where garbage games belong, and that is in the garbage game can. Get it? Got it? Good. That was your Wednesday. Hey, guys, please leave a five-star review on the podcast. Really need you guys to step up here as we head towards the offseason, which, by the way, we will continue to have five shows a week during the offseason, so please do not plan on turning us off. Keep us with you through the offseason. Maybe I'll have some prizes. Who the hell knows? Something to keep you guys around. Before you know it, we'll be at draft time. Sneaks up on you. Really does. i got a lot of things I want to do in this offseason. Get ready for next year. How do you do a five-star review? Well, you can listen to any of the shows where I've talked about it already, or here's the speed version. 
podcast app on your mobile device, open up the podcast app, search for Fantasy NBA Today, click on the show title, and scroll to the bottom of the screen where you can drop a five-star review and write something nice. If you're using iTunes on a computer, click on the podcast tab, search for Fantasy NBA Today, click on the show title, and then there's actually a rate and review tab. It's not a scrolling thing in iTunes. It's a little bit easier to find there. Write something nice, drop a five-star review, I'll blow you a kiss. Bada-bing, bada-boom, we're all good. Let's talk about tonight. Thursday evening, it is a seven-game card as we continue to wait on injury news. That always just rolls in throughout the day. Chicago is in Charlotte. Sounds like Zach Levine is getting ready to make his return. Sounds like Nikola Vucevic may also be getting ready to make his return. But did Zach Levine's reluctance to getting a COVID vaccine cost the Bulls a chance at a playoff spot? Were they going to get it anyway? I would argue probably not. But internally, they may have felt like they did, and they've lost four games in a row, and now they're cooked. Their goose is cooked. Who knows? What if they even, they're four and six in their last ten ball games? What if you flip that? I've said that before. What if you flip that to six and four? Change two losses to two wins. Call that the difference to Zach Levine being in versus out. Right now, they're three and a half games back of the Wizards. One and a half game back of the Wizards and two games back of the Pacers. That's very much in it. Right now, they're three back of uh, three and a half back of the Wiz and four back of the Pacers. So, yeah, I think mathematically, you could probably argue that they went from having an outside shot to really not. I got to think that there's something in the clubhouse. Clubhouse, sorry, that's a baseball thing. Locker room. For Charlotte, fire up your Jalen McDaniels. I don't think we need to really wait on information there. Most of the guys that were out are still out, except for P.J. Washington. He's likely to be back. Over, by the way, in the Chicago side, I am curious to see what they do with Tomas Sadoransky. It seemed like they liked his pairing with Levine in the starting unit. Do they bring Thad back into that starting unit, or is it still Daniel Tice? And how do those pieces fit together? Washington on the back-to-back in Toronto. This is a huge game. The Raptors, three games back of the Wizards, who did just lose to the Bucks. Wizards, did they give it their all against Milwaukee, or do they have something left? They're playing well. Rare loss for the Washington Wizards last night. This should be a fun ball game. I don't know that I would get down on it on the betting side, but it should be fun. Toronto's going to play their guys. Whoever they've got that's healthy enough, they'll be in there. I think Ananobi's still out. They're just beat to hell, man. That's been that kind of year. Snake bit. Brooklyn, Dallas. Nets have lost three games in a row now. Two games back of the 76ers for the top spot in the Eastern Conference. I don't know that they care, really. Although they are better at home than they are on the road. They just want James Harden back. And the one argument to getting into that one seed is if anyone besides the Wizards ends up in the eight hole, that's the team you'd want to play down there. The Pacers, if the Raptors get in, the Hornets, yeah, you want to play those teams, not the Heat. If Miami ends up as a seven seed. Celtics and the Heat are tied right now. There's a bit of a level up there. But it also does seem like the Wizards are probably going to be the eight seed. You never know. Anything can happen, but Dallas side, if Maxi Kleba and Kristaps Porzingis are still out, it does seem like Dwight Powell has himself a role right now. Oh, I didn't really talk about Brooklyn at all. Um, I didn't talk about them because when KD and Kyrie are both in, there almost isn't room for anyone else. 
Even my guy Joe Harris is getting boxed out a little bit these days because he's not getting passes. Thing is, Kyrie and KD are good enough where they don't really have to, but it's not great for morale. Wins are, though. Atlanta at Indiana Hawks dispatched of the Suns. This one should also be real. Should actually, well, that one we didn't think was going to be that easy, but this one should be a much easier ballgame. No line out on it yet as we record this podcast. Not 100% sure why. I don't know who the, maybe it's Brogdon. It's got to be the Malcolm Brogdon thing. He's questionable. I don't, really doesn't change things all that much for me if he's in or out. I'll probably leave McDermott on the sidelines. Like I said, I'm streaming Batadze if you need blocks. Nothing super interesting there. Memphis also on a back-to-back. JJJ will be in for this one. Detroit, they're resting all their vets, so they're done. The veterans are done for the year for Detroit, except for apparently for Jeremy Grant, uh, who I suppose doesn't consider himself a veteran yet, maybe. I don't know. OKC is in Golden State. They're catching 14. That's one of the rare lines out here the night before. as We record the podcast very early. Warriors... I thought Kent Bazemore would be better in the last ballgame. I'm pretty sure he'll be better in this one against the slapdick Thunder. Uh, OKC side, it's just a whole bunch of guys that are points leaguey only. Although they do have a relatively decent schedule for the rest of this week. One of the handful of teams with three games and four nights, and then their schedule gets bad again for the final week of the season. And the Lakers and the Clippers, this game doesn't have quite the shine it might have early in the season. Both teams were potentially healthy Clippers are mostly healthy right now Lakers are not LeBron is questionable I think he's sitting this one out uh the plan I believe last I read was that LeBron was thinking about giving it a go on Friday in Portland but likely not playing here on Thursday night that's the latest report uh which means Lakers are going to try to win this game with defense and they're quite good on that side but I don't know if there's anything you can really do to slow down the Clippers when you're not at full strength yourself, you kind of need to make some shots, make them take it out from under the bucket. Although Kawhi, I don't know, he hasn't seemed quite himself since coming back from this foot thing, so who the hell knows? Lakers side with no LeBron and no Dennis Schroeder, I think you can probably stream Alex Caruso for a night if you're feeling sussy. Maybe Kuzma, flip him in there for an evening. I'm not that excited about either one of those. Let's see if the Lakers play more Marc Gasol again. That seemed to work. Surprise, surprise. Clippers side, I think you're going Paul George, Kawhi, and uh, Zubats, and maybe Marcus Morris. That's your maybe. But in a game that's probably not going to be that high scoring, that's a little bit of a roll of the dice. And that's your Thursday pod. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll keep this one on the shorter side because why not? We don't have any in-depth theory to get in right now. We're saving that for next, not this coming, but the following Monday. Regular season ends, we'll start decompressing, and we'll break it all down. But let's keep winning. Get your finals week, guys. You can do this. Uh, tomorrow, Friday's show, we'll break down the weekend. And if your season happens to go to the end of the year, we'll talk a little bit about streaming through to the end of the regular season. If not, we'll also continue to focus on streamers of opportunity, streamers of schedule, because that's what it's all about right now. Check your Roto standings, and don't forget to look at how far away you are from everybody in every category. Look above you. And look below you. I think that's something that a lot of Roto players forget to do. Look at who's trying to chase you down because you might need to throw a guy into your lineup that's more of a defense category. 
not defensive stats. I'm not talking about steals and blocks. I'm talking about playing defense on a particular category because you might be so laser focused on chasing down the guy in front of you in rebounds that you forgot about the guy behind you coming at you in assists. Look at the standings. Look at how many games played you've got left. Look at what position the games played are. This is where you got to get real finite with the decisions you're making. Hit me up on Twitter if you got any questions, at Dan Bespris. I know many of you are still going, so let's win this damn thing. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow, everyone. This was Fantasy NBA Today, a hoop ball presentation. Later. This has been a hoop ball presentation.